There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? Hello there. This is where the fun begins. This is the way. Hello and welcome to The Pod Awakens, a Star Wars fan podcast. My name is Jordan and we got to introduce some of our uh some of our guests here. We have Ron and we have Chris. Um you may have heard them if you've ever followed our DC podcast Alan's Worlds um where I've had, you know, Chris is my co-host and Ron has guessed it on there quite a few times. So we'll start with Ron. How are you, today, Ron? Uh, I'm doing great, man. Uh, for those of, you know, for the people out there who have listened to us on the DC show, if they thought we nerded out before, they haven't heard anything <laughs> yet. So uh, I'm stoked, uh, still on a major high from last night and uh, ready to break it all down with you guys. And we have Chris. How are you, take Chris? Life is good. Um, the force is strong with me today. I uh, watched a little Andor after I watched uh, Ahsoka. I'm catching up on some Star Wars stuff. So yeah. it's a lot of fun. All right. Well, something I like to do with our guests here, and I started doing it uh, after my uh, around probably the time of my last guest. But I think I've kind of done stuff like this before. I know I've done it for like uh, when when I had Chris on the DC show before he became a co-host where I was kind of like favorite, you know, DC film or character and stuff like that. So we're going to go down the list of that with Star Wars. And I think um, we'll start with Ron again here and then. Uh, I guess I'm trying to think how I should do this. If we should go through all the questions with Ron or do one question at a time and then go Ron, Chris, do you guys have let's any, do, uh, let's do one at a time so we can kind of bounce back and forth. Okay. One question at a time. You mean, or like all of them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One quite like, yeah, I'll answer. He answered. Okay. I'll answer, he answer. All right, cool. All right. So we'll start with Ron here. Uh, favorite star Wars film. Uh, yeah, so we, we kind of discussed this one a little bit already, and uh, I'm sure it's going to turn some heads. But uh, my favorite Star Wars movie is The Phantom Menace, uh, one of probably the most universally like clowned on Star Wars movie ever, at least until the sequels came around, mm -hmm. um, which I also think are overly hated on. But uh, it was the first Star Wars movie I ever saw. It was what got me into the brand to begin with and started what's now been a uh, over 20 year fandom that I've been in love with star Wars. And it all stemmed from that movie, uh, Darth Maul. I was obsessed with him as a kid. I, for three years in a row, I dressed up as him for Halloween. Uh, it just, everything about that movie I thought was awesome. Even the things that people, uh, like to kind of like poke fun at, like the pod racing and stuff like that. I had a blast with it. I don't know how much of it is just nostalgia related or, and the fact that it was my first, sort of introduction into the series or what and if that's skewed me but even i just watched it again last night before ahsoka for god it has to be like the 50th time in my life and it still <laughs> hits 
just like it always has. So, uh, you know, Phantom Menace will always be my uh, my number one for sure. Well, you know, I'll, I'll say this. I had uh, Ken Bishop on recently. He's got like three Star Wars podcasts. So if you thought I had a lot of podcasts, <laughs> uh, Ken has a lot of Star Wars specific podcasts. He's just Ken. <laughs> but yeah, we had uh, I had Ken Bishop on and, uh, you know, I kind of brought up like I forget what it was. Like, I guess I was asking him this question. He didn't really have favorites of, every, of anything. He, he really liked Star Wars all as like a whole. Um, huh. So it's really interesting. So I kind of gave like answers, you know, um, on what mine were or whatever. But I think I, I, you know, my favorite film, just to put this out there, is, you know, I'm going to sound like a total, uh, uh, I don't know, cliche, uh, is Empire Strikes Back. But I. Uh, casual my favorite no. <laughs> prequel is the phantom menace and i went on like a whole thing about this when ken was on that for me like growing up i i only had return of the jedi on vhs okay that mm -hmm. was it uh it was like a old uh vhs like one of the ones that you'd get from a blockbuster or video store nice uh so it was pre-special edition uh return of the jedi so it was that or it was my Phantom Menace DVD where <laughs> 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 those were the movies I could watch. Um, I had seen, obviously, Star Wars, you know, A New Hope and Empire before that and stuff. But uh, they weren't as like ingrained as me in me as as those were. And um, I didn't see Phantom Menace in theaters, but I rented it on VHS from the library. So I, I borrowed, not rented, but you know, get it from the library or whatever. And that was, you know, like, like I said, once I got it on DVD and then eventually I did have like the special edition trilogy uh, on VHS. And then I had to buy it again on DVD and stuff. But for a while it was, if I want to watch Star Wars, it's Return of the Jedi or Phantom Menace. So like Phantom Menace is really like, I can quote a whole bunch of it. Um, one of my favorite parts is going to sound weird is at the beginning when they're about to blow up the ship and they, the guy just yelled shields. <laughs> <laughs> I love that part. Like I, I reason that just sticks to you, me. Uh, you were right about one thing, master, the negotiations were short. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Obi-Wan was my vibe too. Like prequel Obi-Wan, especially Phantom Menace Obi-Wan. I really loved, uh, like I told you, Ron, that's my favorite lightsaber is the mm -hmm. hilt from Obi-Wan in episode one. So it's got, it's got fondness in my heart. So, you know, of course everybody says revenge of the Sith is the best prequel, but I still maintain it's the Phantom Menace it is the one that feels the most star Wars to me mm -hmm. as well. Without question. All right, Chris, uh, your favorite star Wars film. So I like Rogue One. Uh, it's a really awesome movie. You know, it's it sets up A New Hope perfectly, and I, I I honestly just think it is with the spirit of the old old original trilogy with today's technology. It's fantastic, and I just I love the selfless heroes, the underdog story. It's kind of the avenue I like to go in. And I just really enjoy the film. Um, there's just enough of every element for me in that in that movie. Um, so I'm going to go Rogue One. All right, Rogue One. Uh, 
I'll just plug this here too. I am recording a podcast this weekend, which won't be released until like October, but um, where uh, you know, I'm picking a movie for my friend to see that he hasn't seen before, and he does the same for me. And this week, we're going to be recording our Rogue One. He has not seen it, so I was like, let's let's do it, right? <laughs> Um, so yeah, I like Rogue One a lot. Uh, that was like really for me, you know, 2015 was a huge Star Wars year for The Force Awakens, and then immediately getting Rogue One the next year was was amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I really dig it too, and I like Andor a lot, and uh, I know you just started going through it, so yeah, the most adult Star Wars story by far. Like it's, uh, you know, we were kind of talking about this last night too. I'll, I'll probably say that a million times today because we were chatting <laughs> all night last night. To three of them. But, um, you know, my Star Wars has always, my favorite Star Wars has always been more of like the zippy zap Star uh, lightsaber battle kind of stuff. But Rogue One and Andor, you know, kind of as, as a default as well, just they, they give something for that adult audience who's looking for more of a mature story as opposed to just, you know, sort of the flashy visuals and things like that. So uh, I definitely understand why it would be your favorite. All right. Next one here is favorite trilogy. Uh, so we'll go with Ron here. Favorite trilogy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just piggybacking right off that. It's the prequels for me. I always loved them. They were, they were the butt of the joke for a very long time. And it's funny to kind of see the way that people have reversed course on that mm -hmm. to where now, you know, everyone likes to look back on them so fondly. And I guarantee you, like, 80% of those people were the same ones saying how mid it was and how terrible it was. Oh, they weren't saying now, mid back then. Yeah, that was... Yeah, uh... <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah. Well, go ahead, back then. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I thought they were all great. Uh, I love Anakin. Obviously, Darth Maul is my favorite character, not to spoil my next thing that we're going to talk about here. Um, the, the, the tragedy that is Anakin Skywalker is just... Tremendous, obviously, to see the full sort of circle for the worst, I guess, which is the parallel to, you know, him uh, in, in the OT, the original trilogy, kind of, it's more of a full circle coming back to the light. The the prequel, as we all know, is the the, the, the full circle to him going to the dark side, basically. Um, and just everything about it was so great. Um, yeah, no, definitely the prequels for me. Uh, Chris, I'll let you go. I like the original 4, 5, and 6 saga. I think it is the best written saga. I think the dynamics between the characters are the strongest and most defined. And, I like, he knew where he was going, whether he knew what was, like, the whole mapped out thing after and before. And there's just something about the fact that I've seen them the most. You know, I used to watch them with my brother. You know, we would watch Indiana Jones. We would Star Wars, Air Force One. We watched for some reason, like over and over and over again. Uh, the Fugitive was a big one for us. We had just what Ford. we had on VHS. Yeah, Harrison, anything yeah. Harrison Ford you were watching. We honestly, and that's why Han Solo was for the longest time my favorite. But um, yeah, it's actually weird how much Harrison Ford, me and my brother childhood um but original trilogy was just it's the heart and soul of it all i think 
tough to beat the OG for sure. Yeah, I like the original trilogy the best. Uh, for me, the prequel trilogy is dragged down by Attack of the Clones. For me, mm-hmm. um, it's my least favorite Star Wars film. So it's you know it really, for me, it just really kind of drags it down a bit. But uh, you know, I, I I really do like the um, uh, like I said, Phantom Menace and Revenge of the Sith. So. There it is there. And then for the sequels, I actually really like the sequels too, but um just not going to even tempt fate by saying that is my favorite trilogy. <laughs> uh, Look, I like the sequels. <laughs> I, I, I enjoy the sequels, but The Rise of Skywalker, it just did it. Like, I like The Rise of Skywalker mm-hmm. in the sense of it's an entertaining film, but... I don't think it lands the way it needed to. It didn't stick the landing the way it needed to. Um, I actually really love the idea of Ray choosing the Skywalker, the found family thing, but a lot of that movie was mess. Uh, it was just, it was messy. If the, the sequel could have easily been my favorite if they just stuck the landing a little bit. I, I, um, I like rise of Skywalker a lot, actually. <laughs> um, it is for, for me, it is like a really fast film though. Like if I had a biggest complaint in the sequels at all for me, it's just the fact that they didn't plan it out before they started making them. Mm-hmm. And that my biggest complaint is the fact that three PO and R2 really take a back seat. Um, glad three PO had a bigger role in rise of Skywalker, but really like I, I wish we got to see a little bit more of R2 and, 3PO, I mean, like, uh, they they both were in a backseat of Force Awakens so much that I was hoping in Last Jedi they would, you know, kind of be more prominent again, and then that didn't really happen. And then Rise of Skywalker, like, R2, like, barely does anything. Uh, it, that's my biggest complaint, is because I really felt like the story was being told, like, through R2 and 3PO for the first six, you know, they're in every single... Uh, film at yeah, that point and that's a good point yeah and they know all of the generations that is the biggest thing for me they know anakin they know uh luke and they know the new heroes so i thought that'd be a lot of really interesting uh way to kind of have them in there all right we're gonna go favorite character and i'm assuming ron it's anakin <laughs> he's up he is up there he's in my top three uh but no it's uh it's darth maul as my number one just for all the same reasons that i listed about why the phantom menace is my number one movie uh i remember seeing, this is funny but uh my first introduction to star wars period was uh walking through the store with my dad and seeing the bag of lace potato chips with darth maul's face on it and i was like who the hell is that guy and, you know, then I discovered he was in Star Wars and just I was enamored with him from the second I saw him on screen, uh, only made even better the way that they were able to sort of give him the story that he deserved in the animated shows <clears throat> and Sam Whitworth, the, 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 the second life that he sort of breathed into that character to become one of the most notorious in all of Star Wars. Uh, love him, love him, love him. And he will always be my number one. Nice. Uh, Chris, favorite Star Wars character? You know, for the longest time, it was always Han Solo. The older I get, it's more Obi-Wan and Yoda. Um, Han Solo was always my favorite growing up. Uh, 
is this is not caring but actually caring thing kind of clicked with me and now the perspective that you get with obi-wan and yoda is what i kind of gravitate towards i also really have a soft spot for luke because mark hamill is like the coolest guy on earth so um yeah uh luke yoda han solo obi-wan you know it's it's hard um but i, I i'm gonna probably just stick with han solo because it's the answer i've said most of my life Nice. Yeah. Uh, my favorite is uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Hello there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, again, kind of more from the episode one end of things, but I also really liked Ben Kenobi and, you know, episode four and stuff. So uh, I always thought I always had a tougher time as a kid when only like episode one was out, though, was like connecting those dots, you know, in the sense of like, how does he become, you know, this old, <laughs> this old guy on, on Tatooine. And, uh, finally we got there after some time, but yeah, I mean, that was, um, he's just always been my, my favorite. Uh, this is me meeting Darth Maul at star Wars weekends though. We got this. Nice. Here. That is cool. Yeah. Jelly. <laughs> yeah. He, you know, he was really cool that they had him there. Um, that was the last year Star Wars Weekends happened too, so I'm glad I got to got to go. Um, all right, favorite Disney Plus show, Ron. Um, live action, I guess, because we yeah, have an animated yeah. question later. <laughs> yeah. Um, this one's kind of tough because I feel like, like I liked Obi Wan a lot more than most, and I think like outside of of Duel of the Fates, I think that my favorite star Wars scene in general is probably that last fight between Vader and uh, Obi-Wan. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I just, I kind of have to give it to the Mandalorian just because it's been, you know, three seasons now they've done it. Uh, the, the last season was admittedly a little hit or miss for me. It felt kind of directionless at times, but uh, season one and two were peak. Obviously that moment at the end of two with Luke is just, I mean, mind blowing was uh, doesn't even begin to describe it um and yeah grogu man took over the world <laughs> in uh 2019 or whatever it was i think it was 2019, 2019 yep november 12th yep. 2019 yep yeah and pretty much he, he he's been at the center of the pop culture world since then and for good reason he's cute as a bun uh so yeah i'd have to go mando for sure all right, Chris. Now you just started watching the Disney Plus shows, right? You watched Obi Wan before, and I watched Obi Wan, so that's, that's going to be default. my de facto answer. Um, but I really liked Obi Wan. I the reason I I I I was like I'm behind on Mando. I cannot skip Obi Wan because then I'll be behind on that too. So it's like I am jumping on Obi Wan, and I really enjoyed it. I thought the Hayden Christensen redemption was fantastic. The when the vo you know the mask breaks and the voice is going back and forth between Vader and Hayden Christensen, I that was perfect. And you know, I thought it got a lot of crap for slow playing it, but you know what? It told a really good story and it was really gripping. And I know some people are clutching their pearls about it, but as a guy who's not necessarily a purist, a guy who just wants to be entertained, 
I was entertained. Yeah, I liked Obi-Wan a lot, actually, and I covered it extensively on here. It actually, like, my most watched and listened to episodes were all Obi-Wan, um, which was great. But I'm watching a fan edit right now uh, where they cut it down to a movie. Um, yes, it's amazing. I have it downloaded on my computer. Yeah, and then I, they did a Boba Fett a two-parter, too, that I have downloaded. I haven't watched it yet, but um, yeah. Um, all right, favorite uh, animated series. I think this will just be for Ron here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, pretty and, much. And, and for me, it's Rebels, uh, which made last night just even more important. Uh, I think the fact that it, it was kind of um, sequel-esque in the fact that they were able to introduce us to all these new characters, but still also incorporate you know all this established world into it that we know and these characters. Uh, and it was a prospect that could have been hit or miss. You know, you don't know if people are going to cling to the the Ezra's and the Sabines and the Canaan's the way that they did and did so like tenfold, probably more so than Dave Filoni and all of them could have even thought. Um, and obviously Darth Maul absolutely shines in that show as well. Uh, so, so definitely I'm a Rebels guy through and through. Yeah, Rebels for me too. Uh, I thought, you know... I know a lot of people it's Clone Wars, but what I really like about Rebels is the fact that it's linear and the fact that we stick with mm-hmm. our group of Rebels. You know, Clone Wars episodes can be like, here's your random three episode arc of Jar Jar with R2. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. nothing's really happening. Oh, well, here's the Bad Batch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So at least with uh, Rebels, it was like really following the thread of um, the same group of characters, which I thought helped for better character development. And just the fact that it has over Clone Wars, the fact that you didn't know where it was going. I mean, yeah. ultimately, at the end of the day, with Clone Wars, we knew it was going to end with uh, the third prequel movie. With with Rebels, it was just, you know, oh, Grand Admiral Thrawn, what's this? Where the hell is this going? And then the, the ending, obviously, was what it was, and it was beautiful. And you have um, the people, too, that always think, well... If they didn't show up in the original trilogy, they're dead, right? So everybody yeah. is like, all these guys have got to die. And I'm like, no, they don't. They just have to be somewhere <laughs> yeah. else off screen. Like they can't just be chilling? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, last one here. Favorite game? Uh, favorite Star Wars game? Uh, we'll start with Chris because Ron had the animation question. Okay, yeah. Um, N64 Rogue Squadron. Nice. Me and my brother played this game so much. Believe it or not, there was this thing called Blockbuster. And every now and then we would go to Blockbuster and we would get this game. Eventually we ended up getting the game for good. But like we would go to Blockbuster and we would get this game. And it was a lot of fun because, you know, it was just like you could fly around. It wasn't quite open world, but like it was... You know, it scratched it scratched an inch of like a pilot kind of a game. It all the different ships, the Millennium Falcon, the X Wing, um, and I can remember like the first three like missions, like top of like right off my head. I mean, it was a lot of fun, and I played it a lot. And there's so much for an N64 game. It's pretty up there, and you know, I know there's more beautiful games now but i think the simplicity of that n64 game in the mind of a kid perfect especially back then too because we didn't you know 
we didn't know all of these insanely look, you know, realistic looking video games that we have now. Like that was mind blowing stuff at the time. You know what I mean? And just quick side mm-hmm. note, not to get, it was. Not, not, not to get off yeah. of this topic, but was there any serotonin boost as a kid that topped going to Blockbuster on a Friday night, <laughs> getting like three games and some candy and just going like, oh God, best feeling in the world. It really was. I feel bad for the kids today who will never know what that felt like. Who have to? I feel bad for the kids today who get their popcorn. They don't. They get their snacks. They don't realize what they're gonna watch because they're on Netflix looking at eight thousand different yeah. options. Oh, that one looks good. Okay, cool. It's not a. It's not I'll a ceremony. It it's not a momentous moment. Yeah. It. Yeah. 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 I mean, let's be honest. Blockbuster was the thing. It was awesome. I loved Blockbuster. It was an experience, and now movies are just you know one after the other after the after another like back then like i said it was it was truly an experience from start to finish mm-hmm. you know it'd be like oh that one's on amazon prime oh that one's on hulu oh that one's on netflix like yeah. no it was all convenience is always a good thing yeah i well convenience absence makes the heart grow fonder when you don't do things all the time and it's a special event that's more fun and it just makes the movie sit with you a little longer too when you can't just go mm-hmm. you know okay i'm just gonna go throw the next one on you got those three movies and that's what you're watching for the next week you know yeah, I mean? yeah yeah and you gear you gear up because you know you have to make the most of it too yeah 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 i'm with you ron favorite game star wars game ah uh, yes uh so i think because I did as a kid, I loved the episode one video game. I thought it was awesome, but I think I gotta go Jedi Survivor. The, PS, the one the that PS just came one, out. uh yes, episode one. PS one. Oh, oh yeah, I loved it. It was fantastic. Did you have Jedi uh, power battles too, or no? Uh, I I feel like I had. Mace to shows have... up with a blue lightsaber in that. It's really cool. Hmm. Um, okay, maybe I didn't. That doesn't sound too familiar. But yeah. Uh, Jedi Survivor. Yeah, I'm playing it right now. I'm trying to 100% it so and get my platinum uh, medal, you know, trophy. So uh, I'm getting close. It's just such a beautiful game, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, e- even the way that they do, uh, like, the space locations uh, in Jedi Survivor, it just it feels so damn immersive. Um, I loved Fallen Order as well, but I think that survivor just kind of expands on the the things that fallen order does yep. well it makes it a little easier to navigate yeah. that was the one yep. thing about fallen order my most viral tiktok of all time it's got like fifty thousand uh <laughs> likes was me on the way back trying to find the ship after every single mission like the hardest part of the game wasn't the mission yeah it was finding yeah. the way back to your ship after you completed the missions and that <laughs> but uh, yeah now they have all the fast travel what i also like in this game is that the maps are so layered that like you do the mm-hmm. shortcut and you're like, Oh my God, like that takes me right yes. back to this spot. Like it's like so multi-layered. It's great. Um, it's up there for me. I'm going to be basic again here and say Knights of the old Republic, but I do want to shout out Xbox exclusive game that I never owned, but all my friends had it was called Obi-Wan and it takes place before and during episode one. Uh, and you play as Obi-Wan. And I just remember like playing that and loving that as a kid, but I didn't have an Xbox original. So, and it's never been made backwards compatible. So this Saturday, I'm supposed to go over to my cousin's house and play Obi-Wan because he got his nice. Xbox working again. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. We can dive in to 
uh, Ahsoka now here. Episodes one and two, which uh, first one was titled Part One, Master and Apprentice, written and directed by Dave Filoni. It aired August 22nd, 2023. And uh, we can jump into this. Let's try to keep it at episode one for now, and then we can kind of jump over to part two later. But I have the crawl here, and I'm just going to read it says the evil galactic empire has fallen and a new republic has risen to take its place however sinister agents are already work already at work to undermine the fragile peace a plot is underway to find the lost imperial grand admiral thrawn and bring him out of exile once presumed dead rumors are spreading of thrawn's return which would galvanize the imperial remnants and start another war former jedi knight ahsoka tano captured one of Thrawn's allies and learned of a secret map which is vital to the enemy's plan. Ahsoka now searches for the map as her prisoner Morgan Elsbeth is transported to the New Republic for trial. Overall, what what do we think of the crawl in the sense of it's red and it doesn't scroll? I was kind of surprised that they went with like a totally different opening crawl. I loved it. I like I tweeted a few months ago that um, if Star Wars wanted to, you know, start to make themselves feel fresh and different, they would do away with the crawl. I think last night kind of made me eat my words a little bit because it's still got that essence of what we know and love from Star Wars, but it was just different enough to where it felt fresh. And the, the, the red sort of ominous lettering was so like, it just kind of overtook you with a little bit of a, a sense of dread to start the episode. And we saw why um, <clears throat> with that opening scene with Shin and Balin. Uh, but, but I, I absolutely loved the, uh, the, the red crawl. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I thought it was a lot of fun because it was star Wars. It felt star Wars, but the red man, I, I think I sent a message. I was like, this is a vibe. It's, it's, it's a different feel, but it's the same thing. It felt like a, cousin to the movies almost and i was like i'm i'm digging yeah, it. i wonder if there's supposed to be any sort of symbolism or you know like uh reason we get the red is it because of we open with balin and shin instead of you know like episode one having obi-wan and qui-gon or you know like i'm kind of curious because um just a interesting pick you know um I am actually also if you uh, not to cut you off, yeah. Jordan, but in in the, the the beginning beginning intro, like when we see the flashing, it's, and it's normally the red and the blue. It's all red, so it was true. It was very clearly an intentional choice, I think, to to to, to sort of set that darker, more like ooh, what's about to happen tone. Yeah, I'm I'm one that's for the crawl. Okay, so when they say that the crawl is coming back in the movies coming out soon, I'm like, hell yeah, sign me up for that. Because uh, I do think it can help just set the stage for, especially for people that have not seen Rebels. Chris, did this crawl give you enough information to kind of be like, okay, I'm in? Yeah, I wasn't lost. Uh, I I sent you a couple questions during episode two, but I wasn't lost um watching this i was like okay i can follow this felt like they gave me the pieces i needed um and and i was also kind of down for the ride i was like you know it's cool it's hitting with me and i'm enjoying just the movie like quality of this so i wasn't lost i was there 
I kind of, you know, I listen to enough podcasts and I, I interact with enough people online. I have some of the cliff notes of some of the stuff anyway in my head. So I, I thought it was fine. I don't think this it holds your hand, but I also don't think it needs to. From what I read, like Filoni tried to launch this show as it as like episode four, A New Hope, you know, where you kind of jumped in and, and you learn about the Clone Wars and Obi-Wan Kenobi and all this stuff that like really wouldn't make any sense to you. You know, there's references to Luke's father that you're like, are we supposed to know who that is? But like audiences back then were just like, all right, like the crawl told me everything I need. I think sometimes people get almost like they want everything like almost Wikipedia entries spit out. Like when people mention a name, because I think I've now I've seen rebels. I've watched it. I do think they set this up well enough, but, and I know I've said this a lot to, to everybody that I've spoken to about this, but I do think the reason people are confused is Ahsoka and Sabine's relationship in this show is there's a gap there. We never saw her train Sabine. And I think people that haven't watched rebels think that we have and think that there's some reference that they're missing in that regard. But to be honest, there isn't, it is just like, it's a reference almost like the clone wars in episode four, where it's like, at that point you have no clue what they're referencing. And we're going to get those nuggets, I think throughout the, throughout the show. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, outside outside of Kanan training her when she got the dark saber, mm-hmm. we don't really spend that much time dealing with Sabine's force sensitivity, like at all. Really, it's not, it's not a major plot point of the show. And Kanan does mention to her when she is training, like uh, mentions to Hera, I think, when she when he's training her, it's like uh, you know, every being has the force, right? They just she's closed herself off to it or whatever. So. It, it isn't really coming out of nowhere. Like some people have said that Sabine is being trained. Um, and I think Huang, even in this show says, like, you have the force a little bit, but like <laughs> not a lot, right? Like, <laughs> Something, yeah, he says like you are among the, the lowest or something. Yes. I forget the exact quote. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I feel like that's all the information you need on that. And what I do like, okay, here's something that's confusing my wife all the time too. Right. So she's not hardcore into this, but, uh, she thinks everything takes place between three and four. And the reason I'll tell you that is because so many freaking projects lately have taken place between three or four. So that's like her default, right? She's like, uh, and or, oh, three and four. Rogue One, three and four. Solo, three and four, right? Like, she's yeah, yeah. kind of hardwired it when I'm watching Bad Batch or whatever, Rebels, between three and four. Well, especially the live action stuff, yeah. too. Like, Pretty much everything has, right? Obi, Obi Wan, exactly. Uh, Mandalorian, those are all between three and four, correct? Well, no, uh, Mandalorian's. Oh, uh, no, 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 you're, right you're, seven, right, you're yeah. right, you're right, you're right, you're right. I so forgot, yeah, yeah. I told her, I was like, this is taking place around the same time as Mandalorian. She said, that's three and four, right? I said, no, that's six and seven. Like, this is right after six. So she's Boba's always afterwards, too, right? Obviously, because they did that whole thing with Ju- uh, Luke and rebuilding yes. the Jedi Temple. So that's that's afterwards, too. I misspoke there. Yeah, she's always lost, though. So I, I had to, like, pause it, like, right away and be like, no, this is after six. Like, just, this is after six. It can be confusing. Well, well one of the reasons I liked what I watched was because I want to use the show to help launch me into more of this stuff. I want to learn more about Star Wars, and I feel like 
it doesn't shut me down at any point. It doesn't give me an information overload where I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah, it takes mm-hmm. its time over the first two episodes to kind of slowly feed you the, the information that you need while also still providing this new information that even us, you know, more diehard kind of animated fans, uh, new information to us, all while still giving us some pretty kick-ass action scenes uh, in between, too. Yeah, and I'm not the hugest Star Wars guy. Like, I like Star Wars, but you guys are on another level. Like, I am I'm the Padawan here, and I got to tell you, I'm chomping to the bit yeah, for the next episode. Yeah, get on our level, Chris. And I, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I will. I will. Um, no, I, I look. So the thing is, the thing about Star Wars is, there's so much I didn't even know was there. Like it just wasn't on my radar. And I think it's so cool that you know you have Disney Plus shows like this because it helps me get this on my radar. I'm really excited about it. This opens a whole new world. It's like, it's like you know the first time you jumped into Harry Potter or something. It's like there's a whole there's a whole wealth of stuff out there. And, you know, I, I was like, oh, there's nine movies, you yeah. know? The, the way that I think of it is that the movies are the outline sort of of the drawing and the, the television shows are the color. That's what kind of gives you, you know, really all okay. of the stuff that, you know, the ins and outs of the galaxy. Nice. So we open up on a New Republic cruiser as uh, Morgan Elsbeth as being uh detained um and we get okay this is something that doesn't bother me but i just think that like these people need to learn better right in the sense of (laughs) it's an old code sir oh yeah let them land uh there's no way these are real jedi and the same thing happens in what episode six right when uh when Luke and them are trying to land on Endor and the Imperials are like, it's an old cult. It's an old code. Sure. <laughs> sir. Should I let them through? And they're like, yeah, why not? Right? Just let them through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, maybe if it's an old code, it should tell you that they are a little sus, right? <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be star Wars. There's nothing conspicuous no. here. Yeah, it wouldn't be star Wars. If there wasn't an entire fleet of very dumb NPCs. Yes. So I didn't <laughs> Who also can't aim exactly, when exactly. <laughs> but yeah, they they come in and it's Balin and Shin who are uh, coming down the ramp, and they're like, uh, "You're right about one thing, right?" It's almost like the Obi Wan Qui Gon thing. We're not Jedi, <laughs> and then they start tearing them up. Man, Ray Stevens, uh, Ray it was Stevenson, right? Um, Stevenson, yeah. Yeah, Stevens it, is the wrestler. Yeah, unfortunately right. passed away. Uh, he was also in um, uh, Thor as uh one of the um you know thor's friends and and stuff like that he's also voiced i think uh gar saxon and rebels in the clone wars for star wars he's um yeah volstog in the mcu uh unfortunately he passed away in may almost like right after celebration which was like the month before um so yeah uh but so they dedicate the episode to him too so that's what you're seeing when they say our friend Ray there, but uh, he, he played, man, he was a hell of a, whatever we want to call this, a dark Jedi. Uh, he's not a Sith. Yeah, no, he's not a Sith. I think like, I guess dark Jedi would kind of be the like former Jedi. Now dark Jedi. Mercenary I mean, is what they called him, right? Like he's like, yeah, 
They've this obviously got the prior. orange sabers to kind of, as Dave Filoni himself said, to kind of indicate that they're not full on Sith. They're somewhere in between. But what I love about Ray Stevenson <clears throat> is that you could swap out um, the, his lightsaber for a great sword and you would have a Game of Thrones character. My biggest thing, and I'm sure I'll, I'll make these parallels a hundred times throughout our time talking about Star Wars here in the coming weeks and months and with all these shows coming next year, especially Acolyte, which I think is dripping with Game of Thrones kind of vibe to it. I love that kind of, uh, like when Star Wars can feel like Game of Thrones, I love that. Um, and I think Ray Stevenson kind of really personified that to me. Yeah, he definitely has the the vibe of that. Uh, so they they pretty much make quick work of <laughs> this new Republic cruiser and, and take lady Elsbeth and uh, who she informs uh, Balin that Ahsoka is the one searching for Thrawn and we get the Ahsoka title card. And then we are on to Ahsoka who's at an ancient temple looking for a map to Thrawn. And we get that it. We later find out is uh for the Night Sisters of Dathomir. Yes. Right? Yeah, a little bit of Night Sisters here. Apparently, Elsbeth is a part of the Night Sisters, though she didn't. A survivor, as she put it. She didn't really use her magic against Ahsoka in chapter 13 of The Mandalorian. Um, so I think that might be a little bit of a retcon, or maybe she just wanted Could... to get captured. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> all part of the plan. Yeah, that's a Palpatine move, right? Yeah. Uh, but we have HK series droids coming for, and this is a nice reference to Knights of the Old Republic, HK-47, who's an assassin droid. Uh, but these assassin droids are coming. She defeats a couple, and then uh, they go self-destruct, so she has to run out of there. And we get introduced to a character that's been in uh, The Clone Wars, Voiced by David Tennant, and that is Huang, who is a droid that's been around for thousands of years and has the pretty much the database. I'll give you a rundown here, Chris. He's got like a database in him. He's pretty much helped and instructed every Jedi ever <laughs> to uh, how to create their lightsaber, and he stores the records in his system. So he's like somebody that is probably the the best source of information on the Jedi order, especially since the Jedi order is gone, but I'll put a picture up of him right here. Here's Huang. Okay. Not to uh, keep bringing back to Harry Potter, but he's kind of like Ollivander yeah, who gave all the wizards their <laughs> wand, you know, it's, that's what, you know, came to my head, but um, I, I'll tell you what, I, I, I liked the lore that was in that because I was like, ooh, this is interesting. Like, it's gripping. Like, it's like, oh, the only one I've seen do this. The only one in like, 500 okay, years so has, that has made a lightsaber yes. like this was Balin's skull. Yeah. I love this, too. This, this but, to me, so invoked the imagery of that little uh, arc from Clone Wars. Mm -hmm, Remember with yep. the Padawans when they were making their lightsabers and everything? Oh, man, just everything in this show, it felt like in those first two episodes was a callback or a reference or, a you know, a parallel. Sorry about that motorcycle going by the house. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I saw some people complaining about that. And I was just like, how, man? Like, that's what Star Wars is. It's callbacks and references and it's poetry. Like, it George rhymes, Lucas right. Has said it. Yes, it rhymes. 
it just oh god i love it yeah but uh, i love huang i like seeing him uh i wonder where she got him like was he just do we know where he was in order 66 time was he still on uh uh the temple uh, or i do not know i couldn't tell you offhand yeah i'm gonna have to try to search real quick but yeah he's trained like thousands around. yeah i don't care <laughs> they, could, they could tell me he was up a you know I, I, I don't know i was gonna make a bad reference but they could tell me he was doing anything and i'd be like whatever he's here now i'm happy yeah his first appearance was in season five of clone wars yeah he only appears in three episodes of the clone wars actually too it's those three episodes yep, it's uh in that it's, arc. it's the, the the padawan arc yep when, when they're, like I said, all the Padawans are building their lightsabers and then they take them to the cave and they have to find their kyber crystals. Oh, I love it. Yeah, uh, that's that's awesome. Um, yeah, he's been around forever. Uh, but <laughs> I just like <laughs> having those little moments too. And like you said, the, this moment where he's like rotating through the lightsabers that they scanned mm-hmm. and how he's able to just recall that is is pretty awesome. And I like the sass he was bringing to both uh sabine and ahsoka you know when been hanging out with chopper yeah yeah exactly but i like how he's like well i was following the proper jedi protocols you know and ahsoka's like well i'm not a jedi um I, I liked Ahsoka's confidence in this because she she seems like she's really confident without being cocky which is really hard to pull off because most actors just come off as cocky. Um, so I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah. And we, uh, another thing we kind of touched on uh, me and you earlier uh, in, in the chat was that it didn't start that way for her. She was very brazen and cocky and kind of running head first, kind of like the way we saw Anakin. Uh, it, it was very yeah, much. She was like Anakin know, 2.0 in the. Yeah, uh, yeah. Very much so. Very much so rubbing off on him, uh, on her. And just the way that she has matured, and we saw a lot of that in Rebels, especially too. Um, that that was really highlighted. It, it, it's been awesome. And now to kind of have this sort of swagger, where it's like she knows she knows her, you know what, don't stink, but she doesn't flaunt it in a way that's like off-putting. Yeah, she's more mature yeah. now. I saw you know uh, a lot of people be like, "Well, where's the spunky fun?" ahsoka and i'm like she's been through a lot like she's not she's gonna like 40 be like and she's 40 <laughs> exactly she's not gonna be in clone wars she was like 14 like what do they still want her to act like a teenager then yeah. they would say oh what's she just zachary <laughs> levi and shazam <laughs> true true um star wars this is 40 <laughs> so they uh she gets the map and uh you know they've secured it uh, they get a call from the New Republic, though, about how they lost Morgan Elsbeth. So they arrive and we get introduced to General Harrison Dula, or introduced to live action Hera. Uh, she was in Rebels and Bad Batch as well. And Chris, give me your first impressions of Harrison Dula here, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I was actually very impressed that they got such a good actress to mm, play she's her. dating or married um, to it felt Ewan McGregor. Married, yeah i was gonna yeah. say yeah the tie the the, the ties to go. the force in that family are very strong <laughs> i yeah but i feel like i just i was impressed i didn't realize that but i was very impressed because I was like 
they it feels like they could have just gotten anyone for that role and they seem to go all out um she seemed to be very intuitive as a character and she seemed to point uh the characters in the direction they were supposed to go kind of telling them what they already know but they don't really want to say out loud and i thought that was a pretty cool pretty cool role there yeah, for people that don't know, Hera is kind of like that. She's like the rock of, I'd say, the Rebels crew, where she's very solid, uh, you know, always kind of being the person that can have a conversation with you and make you end up in the right uh, choice. Um, Ron, your thoughts on Hera's live-action debut? I love to see it, man. Hera was uh, amazing. I- I'm Curious to see if they go more into uh, this stuff. Obviously, her and Kanan's child, Jason um, and Jason Sindula. Jason Sindula, yes, and uh, j- just her relationship with him in general, and how she kind of has, uh, you know, navigated dealing with his loss throughout the years and things like that. Uh, so I'm interested to see because she definitely, um, while to Chris's point, she definitely was sort of uh, helping along and guiding you know, us in the story to where we needed to go. I felt like she kind of got backseated a little bit up until at least the end of the second episode. I think she kind of shined the stuff with her and Chopper um, planting the tracking device on Shin and Balin's uh, ship and all that. That was classic but, Hera and Chopper. Oh, yeah. That was classic. Oh, yeah. And we got the little flex from uh, Chopper, too. That that cracked me up. Um, but, yeah, so I think we'll definitely ex- start expanding on her a lot more in future episodes, and I can't wait for that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I loved seeing her, and I mean, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is is like you guys said, incredible, uh, incredibly beautiful actress. Um, just all good, good, good vibes all around. Yeah, the only thing that would distract me sometimes is like you know the how her uh, lecues right um, in the back mm-hmm. of her head were kind of shaking sometimes i guess just because of like constantly moving i guess because mm-hmm. of like whatever they make them out of uh but yeah. i mean it's a it's a hard character to do as like a actual main story member um but yeah no i thought she was great and i'm really excited to see apparently she watched all of rebels and bad batch to prepare for this uh her appearances in bad batch and stuff that's dedication yeah, yeah so uh that's that's not a case. I like father that. actually shows up in uh, Clone Wars as well. Um, so yeah, they've been part of the Star Wars history for a while. But like you could just tell from her posture and the way she stood sometimes. I was like, this is yeah, this is somebody that did their research on Dude, all of the body language in this show. Same thing with Rosario Dawson yeah. as Ahsoka, like the fold in the arms thing. Like that's very that Ahsoka, is, yeah. That is classic Ahsoka. Yeah, I thought I thought the whoever was directing the body line, I'm sure it was Dave and other, uh, you know, other folks on set, whoever was directing the body language was impeccable. This felt very star Wars. I know we've said it before, but it was just, there was a vibe to it. It was really gripping. It was really interesting. The score hit the right points at Mm -hmm. the right times. It was very interesting because I remember, I remember this afternoon I was watching it and I'm like, I'm really tired, but I'm like, I'm, I'm in like, I'm, I'm in. And I appreciated it because I needed it to be gripping. Um, this is, you know, four amps, <laughs> they suck, but star Wars was a perfect antidote 
to the middle of the day where you die and you're just like, because you get off at 1130, you come home, you eat lunch and you watch Star Wars and you're like, perfect antidote to the middle of the day uh, blues. I, I'll tell you, I thought the score of this was Kevin Kiner, who uh, did was what one part of the composers of the uh, Clone Wars and Rebels. Um, so yeah, he gets to jump into live action here with, with this show. And yeah, people have really been talking up the, the score. It's not really something I noticed too much until I watch it my second or third time though. Cause I'm just usually so enthralled in <clears throat> the actual action. The piano, going. Especially uh, the piano in the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, like when, uh, when, Balin's walking down the the hallway yes, and just yeah, yeah. I think blasters. It was just so ominous. Yeah, he did a great job. By the way, this is our comparison. Yeah, scores usually the... of Hera from animation to live action and Sabine nailed it. Yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah, Hera mentions That's how awesome. they've lost the prisoner, and they said like again. Is this a reference to? Uh, to Giancarlo's character from the Mandalorian run, or you think it's a reference to something else? I don't really know. What, what are you speaking about in particular? I might well, have, because I might how, you know, Giancarlo was uh, captured, uh, I'm blanking on his name, uh, the... Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon, yep. He was captured, and then he got taken from the New Republic on the way that to his trial. Mm-hmm as well oh so, so, oh, so you're saying like no i think it, they were definitely just referring to elspeth or did were you asking do i think it's like a parallel in that way well no because like Hera mentions or ahsoka mentions like again that they like lost another prisoner so i was kind of wondering huh that must have gone right over my head but yeah I, it, it, it would it would stand to unless i misheard that, it but that's what i thought they were i thought it was a reference to maybe moff gideon Maybe if so, again, because it might have just it, it was definitely kind of a, a passing moment line. Uh, if so, it wouldn't surprise me at all if that was what they were referring to, especially because we just saw it not even, you know, a few months ago. I hope they were, because, look, if they lost more than that, it's like you guys yeah. really have got to start locking stuff down. <laughs> oh, man. Stop letting people on with old codes. Get more security. <laughs> on these ships stop losing prisoners god damn it (laughs) every richard starting to sound like arkham yeah if i'm ahsoka i'm like god damn like we just took (laughs) we we just took her down it's like uh the hangover bradley cooper on the phone (laughs) (laughs) yeah we lost doug Um, we messed up (laughs) so We pretty much now, for the first time ever, see Lothal in live action, which looks great. And we get this moment where we're introduced to Clancy Brown as Ryder Azadi. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Also voices Lex Luthor in the DCAU. uh, Oh, cool. uh, In the original Superman series and stuff. Clancy Brown, legendary voice actor. He actually voiced Ryder as well in the cartoon. But man, this casting was excellent. As soon as I saw him, I was like, this is Ryder. Like, no, no problem at all. And uh, broke, don't fix it. Yeah. I mean, he voiced him too. It's great. It's a great little touch. But yeah, this is Lothal here. And now he's like the, you know, president or, you know, whatever of 
Lothal. And then we get to see Hera's artwork here. I mean, not Hera, sorry. Uh, Sabine's artwork that they're about to introduce Sabine and she's gone. But this uh, mural, seeing it in live action here, I just wanted to share this photo because it looks great. It's a perfect reproduction of the animated version, I would say. It, it was, uh, it, it definitely got me a little misty eyed seeing that in live action. It was just like, oh man, like this is, like, it, it, I had a few moments last night where I was like, wow, I can't believe this is actually real. Um, and th- this this was one of the most prominent ones for sure, seeing this. And when we see it again towards the end of episode two, especially, mm-hmm. which, which we'll get to. Yeah, so, uh, Chris, I'll, I'll point these people out for you. In the middle, of course, is Ezra. Uh, Hera is, you know, obviously the Twi'lek on on the left there. But next to her is Kanan, and that was her, like, husband. Um, her boo thing. Yeah, and then we have Zeb, who's the uh, the purple one for you there. And uh, he actually makes an appearance in uh, Mandalorian Season 3. I'm assuming he'll appear in the show. And then we have Sabine on the right here, and then Chop on the left. So, yeah, I mean, this is a really good representation of it. I think it, you know gives you enough to know like he says Ryder pretty much easily says like this was you know Ezra sacrificed himself to defeat Thrawn and save Lothal like I think that's all the information you really need yeah yeah they, they, they kind of give it to us uh, and it, it it just kind of highlights um, what we as the <clears throat> comic or not, not comic fans uh, I'm thinking superhero uh, I'm a comic fan the, though of Star Wars <laughs> yeah, yes, you are you are uh, but like what we as the animated fans know is, you know, sort of uh, Sabine's naturally kind of defiant, you know, personality. And for people who aren't familiar, you know, their first introduction to her is blowing off this important, you know, event where she's going to be honored for everything that the ghost crew did. And she's like, yeah, screw that. I'm not showing up. I'm going to go listen to rock music and ride my speeder bike. <laughs> like that was just it told you such an important piece of who she is. So cool seeing Lothal in live action. Uh, you know, that, uh, for, for your information, Chris, that highway she's riding on is like very prominent throughout the whole series of, of Rebels. So, yes. Specifically, well, that scene yeah. was very uh, cool. That, well, the music kicks in. I'm like, all right. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a punk rock guy. <laughs> he drops the go. speeder and goes um, under the, the E wing uh, and stuff. That was insane. Yes. I was like, and she's like, she's not gonna stop. She's crazy. I was like, I love that scene. That was fantastic. I oh, really yeah, give us your thoughts that. on Sabine then, because you sent us a message after episode one or something. Oh yeah, I was like, I was like, I'm transfixed. Sabine is awesome. Um, just total, total badass. Um, absolute badass. I and she's got this weird little cat where it's like kind of like a cat. Yeah, these are like called mace thing. I, like, <laughs> okay. Loath cats, okay, um, but yeah, like S- Sabine is awesome. She's cool. Um, she is. I mean, I was just like with the motorcycle, and like you know the the attitude was like, okay, she's sexy as hell. This is this is yeah, I'm, I'm here. Um, but uh, I just you know I was like okay, and the ep- the way the episode ends is like no. You yeah. didn't just set that yeah, up. She gets it. <laughs> and I was like, it got me for a second too. Like, obviously, you know, we've seen her do more stuff in the trailers and like, it, but 
for a for a split second when she and not not to jump ahead because I know we're we're gonna get there, but like I was like, no way, there is no way that they're really doing this right now. Um, I, dude, I didn't know, I didn't know, so I was like, <laughs> no. You're like this cool badass person I just watched is dead. Like that's not- and she's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I was like, that was a lot of character development is what I was thinking. I was like, I was like, what the hell? And then I Googled it and I was like, oh, she's in all eight episodes. Okay. Uh, yeah, Sabine's cool. I think her live action uh, appearance was pretty well done. Um, I know she's been the one that everybody's raving about actress wise, you know, how, how they've, uh, how well they've done. She just owns it. She just, she just straight up, straight up owns it. She's like, the motorcycle was like the embodiment of what she's doing. She's just mm-hmm. straight up yeah. owning it. It almost felt like from the time that she got introduced with this super badass scene, it almost felt like it was a bit more her show than a soap. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was her, you know, she's the one deciphering the map and they spent so much time in the, uh, in what is now her home. That was kind of Ezra's hangout, the, uh, the control the tower, Lothal tower yeah. the control tower. Uh, yeah, it very much felt more a bit like her show. Um, and I, well, she had her foot on the accelerator, literally yeah. and figuratively. Like she, she really did accelerate. The, like it took a whole new thing because there's a lot of exposition in the first yeah. two episodes. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, you know, Hwang tells Ahsoka that the the map is locked. So Hera suggests Ahsoka go visit Sabine, and Sabine ditches her little mural uh, award, you know, uh, for the ghost crew. And they have, um, Ahsoka does arrive uh, and she goes back over there and Ryder's like, hey, you missed the show yesterday. Uh, Where you been? (laughs) But she does tell, (laughs) he does tell her, Hey, like, and this is where you can kind of tell that there's still animosity, right? It's when he's like, Hey, you're going to want to listen to what she says. Like, don't shut her out right away. And this is kind of one of those things where you get hints of like that. And the fact that originally she was kind of like, "Mm, I don't know Hera if she'll even want to help. But this is kind of where you start to get a little bit more of that. uh, There's some friction between these two. And, uh, you know, Ahsoka says, Hey, I think I found a way to get to Ezra knowing that that would be the bait for Sabina, not anything to do with Thrawn. Um, but yeah, so then she gives, you know, uh, Sabine the map and Sabine wants to take it back and study it in her own place. And Ahsoka's like, no, not happening. <laughs> and then she gets called away. She's like, we'll see about She gets that. called away for this scene here <laughs> with the lightsabers. It comes out and she's like, Oh, she's gone. <laughs> like, what did she think was going to happen? Honestly, <laughs> Yeah. Like somebody that knows Sabine that well, like there was 0.0. And I, I almost think she kind of knew, like you see the way that Ahsoka looks at her when, uh, when, um, when who Yang is, uh, you know, is like, I have something to tell you. And she's like, wait. And she's like, no, say it. And the way that Ahsoka kind of looks at her and like, she's like, all right, I know. I, th- I think deep down she knew that Sabine was going to take that map. Yeah, and she studies it. She breaks it pretty easily. I will say, uh, pretty simple code, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, it matches the bottom of the cavern, but also there's only like five 
items on each side. So you think they could have just... Why couldn't Jedi Fallen Order be that simple? Yeah, I know. We have to go through a lot more, all right, to get our thing. I'd like there. to see her get back to the ship. Yeah, where's my ship at? Uh, but, yeah, so then uh, as she's finally solving the map is when more HK droids come, and so does um, Shin. Uh, but I do want to share this parallel here. So, obviously, this probe droid is coming up to Shin here. Yes. And then if we want to match that with episode one, just flip where the probe droid is. Boom. Yes. The king. The king of kings. Pretty similar. Pretty similar. I think this is intentional. Um, oh, big. It's all intentional, and it's all amazing. And then we get this scene. I just think she looks so badass. <laughs> Dude, she really is. She kicked ass in, like, in like a quiet stoic like she's got the padawan way. braid too i mean yes it really is like there's no sith here it's uh balin is still teaching her the right way to build the lightsaber that huang showed he he uh is having her do the padawan braid she's calling him master like it's just they're not as righteous as as the jedi were they don't care killing yeah and taking money for it I'm just curious to know, like, what their reason for wanting Thrawn back of all people is. You know, well, Balin says power, right? Power will come with it. Yeah, yeah. I guess it just. I feel like there's got to be more there. I feel like there's something like just power feels like very kind of baseline and very kind of run of the mill, like villain y. I feel like we're going to discover something. Maybe during that scene when uh, that we've seen in the trailers with Balin and Ahsoka, kind of in what it looks like inside of the uh, the, 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 the constellation. Yes, yeah. right there. Uh, maybe we'll get some more revelation there, but I do think that there's more at play with those two for sure. Well, I was thinking that I have saw. Yeah, it does. It, it right does have that. I, saw that. I was like, I was like, I was like, are they copying? <laughs> like, this is like that's exactly what it looks. <laughs> that that's another place that felt like heavy Game of Thrones vibes. Yeah, yeah. Especially when they first when Ben and Shalen, uh, Ben and Shalen, Shin and Balin. <laughs> I'm gonna do that a million times. Uh, Shin and Balin first go there, and it's just sort of that gray, overcast sky. Yeah, you can see the red of the uh, like the, the the very kind of dark, but also very prominent red of all the trees. I thought was just amazing imagery. Uh, but yeah, so episode one ends with uh, Sabine getting it through the gut, uh, lightsaber, and uh, losing her battle against Shin, who obviously is probably stronger in the Force and has more training than uh, Sabine has. And that's Ezra's lightsaber, by the way, that she's using. Um, but yeah, so there, there you go. That was the end of episode one. Always nice to see some lightsabers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, yeah it's, it is. and just. Everyone was complaining about, oh, how'd she survive a lightsaber stab? Um, we, yeah, I think this was before we started yeah, recording. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But, just, but just to reiterate, it, there was a very clear difference between where she got stabbed and where Qui-Gon Jinn got stabbed. Qui-Gon got it right through the chest. She kind of got it more on the side. I mean, if we can accept, Darth Maul is my favorite character. If we can accept that that dude got like sawed in half and literally somehow survived in a cave for all these years, with like no medical attention and all this stuff and just becoming this weird spider robot thing. If we can accept that, I can accept Sabine surviving, you know, a, a, a right 
side of the abdomen lightsaber wound. Uh, this is when you need someone who's not crazy into Star Wars going, it's Star yeah. Wars, guys. Like, it, this stuff can happen. Although, I gotta be honest with you, I thought she was dead with the episode. I was like, what? There was a split second where I was like, no! But then I then I kind of realized. <laughs> but it, it, was, it, was, it was shocking, for sure. It was a nice dramatic effect to end the episode on, and I guarantee you, nobody in the entire world didn't immediately right, watch the next right. one. Um, I'm glad they released two as well. I thought that was a good a good move for them. It, almost, it was like yeah, film would have an hour and a half. It was great. And that would have been... Can you imagine the discourse online? Well, I think it would have been kind of a, a black cliffhanger to leave off on just because all of the Rebels fans like would know that she's not she's not going to die. It would have felt like an anticlimactic thing to leave us off on if we had to wait a whole nother week, I think. So it was good to Jordan's point that they released them back to back like that. Uh, so then we get uh, episode two, which is called Part Two, Toil and Trouble, uh, written by Dave Filoni, directed by Steph Green. She directed an episode of Book of Boba Fett uh, last year, two years ago, however long ago that was now. Um, it aired August 22nd, 2023 on Disney+. And we kind of start right off the bat here with Sabine recovering from her injury. And... Uh, Kind of they get this plan to, what, get another droid uh, that they can access the memory core from before it, like, overheats. You know, techno blabble. Yeah. Uh, Basically just do the same thing that they did in the first episode, which is explode and cause yeah. destruction. <laughs> right. Uh, but, you know, so uh, Ahsoka goes to Sabine's house and uh, at the control tower thing and... Uh, hopes that there would still be a droid there and there was she chops off its head and you know they they do some uh techno babble right uh and uh we find out that the droid is coming from corellia uh which is where a lot of the new republic shipyards are and apparently where elsbeth had a shipbuilding company or something originally <laughs> Uh, I didn't know, I didn't peg her for an entrepreneur, but it uh, looks like she was. <laughs> and uh, Soka and Hera are going to go investigate. And we find these people in the shipbuilding yard here that uh, they say, they state, right, that some of them are former Imperials, obviously, because they want to be able to keep production up. So they couldn't really let go of everybody that was Imperial. And I thought this actually made a lot of sense. I feel like that's something that would happen you know uh like well capitalism we gotta keep making these things there's there's historical examples and i'm not even going to mention because i don't want to start drawing lines between star wars and like horrible fiction or non-fictional atrocities that have taken place in our world but there's real life examples of that sort of thing like the worst people you can think of have been defeated but let's take some of their great minds and still you know, use them to create car companies, things like that. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, yeah. It, it, it very yeah, subtle. Yeah, I know, but you get what I'm saying. Like they, it, it, it's very much sort of yeah, like doing that screaming. same thing. It's it, it's that capitalist mind, all about the bottom line. What's making productivity continue to chug along, no matter what, at you know what at what expense. Yeah. Uh, so. I guess I was a little confused here in the sense of the guy who's running the show. 
I didn't think he was an Imperial sympathizer still, but he still walked out arrested. Uh, so I was yeah. kind of shocked well, there. Well, cause he was also the one that was like, uh, was like tripping them up. You know what I mean? When Harrow was like, uh, I'm a general, what do you mean? I don't, you know, I don't have clearance to, right, to right. view this. Uh, so I, I, he was definitely sketchy from the start. I think I, I kind of, the whole time I was watching, I was like, yeah, there's, Something ain't on the up and up here. And then as we saw, you know, seconds later, for the Empire, and the, the, the guy pulls out the, the blaster and, of course, misses because it's Star Wars. Um, yeah, so that didn't that, that didn't really surprise me that 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 whole the way that I kind of viewed that was like a like a sketchy mafia chop shop. Yeah, only with, yeah. Only with spaceships, you know what I mean? Yeah, so apparently their whole plan here is to send these Star Destroyer uh, that have been decommissioned, sending their hyperspace drives and uh, sending them to wherever Elsbeth is having this new ring built. And this ring is almost a, exactly what we see in Attack of the Clones when Jedi starfighters have to use them to hyper travel. Yeah. So it's like a bigger version of that for a bigger ship, I guess. So that way they can travel to this other galaxy, which is what the map leads to. Um, which I assume is just a map not to actually Thrawn, but a map to like the Pergil's uh, right area. Yeah. Because that's where they were taken. So I assume it's not like literally a map to Thrawn. It is a map to where he was last thought to be. I yeah. Think. I think that we'll probably... Uh they'll spend some time maybe like the finale will be them or, or the, the the second to last episode will be like them arriving on the planet and the the whole last episode will essentially be a race to Thrawn although actually no probably not because we're going to see a lot of Thrawn in this show as we've seen and one of the uh one, one of the points where we do see him uh in the trailer he is very clearly inside of Elsbeth's ship so it, it wouldn't surprise me actually if we kind of from here really pick up the pace and, and, and kind of get this show, you know, rolling along. I, yeah, I think we see Thrawn by episode four is going to be my thought. Uh, I feel like they would have wanted to keep the trailers from stuff in, ep you know, the first four or so episodes. True, that is true as well. Very true. So I would assume we see Thrawn by episode four. I assume that like, uh, I assume a lot of this stuff is going to be picking up like really, really quick. You know, they set the stage in these first two, and I think we're just going to be kind of hitting the ground running. I think we're going to be spoiled uh, by it. I think it's going to be a lot of action. Where they're supposed to go. This galaxy at the bottom is their galaxy. They're supposed to go here. You see like the pergils around it. That's why I think it's like a map to there. Right, like that's also very reminiscent of uh, the world between worlds mm -hmm. kind of stuff. I believe it was the wolves running around it. Yes, yeah, in, yep. in like that sort of portal. Uh, so it, it's it's not really a great kept secret that we're going to see the world between worlds in this show at some point. Uh, so that's that that's very very exciting too. Yeah, the way she mentions it too, he's calling to me between space and time. Like, yes, uh, yeah. yeah. I, th I Jordan, think. Do you want to kind of break down what? For Chris and the people who don't know, do you kind of want to break yeah. down what the world worlds is? World between worlds is this uh, area that was accessible on a Jedi temple in Lothal, um, and when 
Ezra did get in there, we heard sound bites from every film in, in the saga at that point of release. So like you even heard Kylo Ren's voice, even though it takes place way before then you could hear, you know, uh, old Obi-Wan, you could hear Yoda, uh, all of these characters in there. And there was like little doorways almost that you could see into. And, uh, they were little pockets in time. And actually that's how Ahsoka kind of came back into the fold is Ezra pulled in and grabbed her out from a spot where it looked like she wasn't going to survive. And so it's kind of like the nexus point. Yeah. Yes. Sort of, yeah. And also like weirdly in a way like time travel, because you could like, it's all these iconic Jedi moments, like that sort of, that, that sort of play themselves in these, individual portals in the stars it's it's a little confusing but also just so awesome and i think that's honestly it's got a little bit of a legends of tomorrow vibe to it i'm following it i think that's probably where we're going to get a lot of our uh our cameo action in this show as well or flashbacks even of like stuff that has uh happened here i got pictures for it too so if people are watching on the this is what it looked like in rebels uh so you would have like this little moment here that you can walk right up to and it's like this big space and time moment with just white outlines and, and stuff and is there yeah, like a yeah, portal pretty much yeah and you can see yeah. there's other portals like in the back here right there's uh, little constellations and stuff so uh yeah we'll see if we see it in here but that does look very similar to something like this where you see all these lines mm-hmm. constantly it looks very similar i wonder i wonder the graphic for ahsoka it does, has, yeah. it kind of it, it has, literally does and it makes you yep. wonder it makes you wonder if that's connected yeah i would think so uh that it's it's curious i'm really curious to see how they do this because i do think you can see some flashbacks or alternate universes you know that don't happen where she could walk by it and see what you know her choices have led her to or whatever um i don't think we'll get the full-on like pulling or plucking people out of it the way we did in rebels i think they'll try to stay away from that it would get too confusing yeah i think they'll stay away from that uh but yeah pretty cool um it looks cool i really like the aesthetic of just like the you know the black so with the stars. And it would be so easy to duplicate on those oh, yeah. uh, volume surround sound stages that they have now. It would be so easy to do. Definitely. But yeah, so then you know the second episode pretty much it, it goes really quick here. I would say uh, so. The hyperdrives are being you know set up to help this hyperspace ring, but then also we get uh, we get the read the redone scene of uh, rebels season four finale, which is where Ahsoka returns and uh, Sabine has cut her hair. She's wearing her Mandalorian armor again, and she's ready to start again, as Hoang would say. Um, and that kind of sets us up for where we're going from here. So I do think the first two episodes were a really good choice to make sure that by week two in episode three, we are, Hitting the ground running, I would assume. Yeah, and uh, we we've kind of seen 
with the, uh, the the six episode format that you can't really do what they did with this. But now it it, it kind of feels like we got those two episodes, which kind of felt like a prologue. Obviously, ending with the point where we ended off at Rebels kind of confirms that. And now we have what should be six straight episodes of just balls to the wall, like craziness. So uh, for people who were, you know, not too big a fans of the slow pace, slow ish, I will say, actually, because there was still some very high points in terms of action uh, for, for people who thought it was a little slower for their taste. I would say just hold on because it all signs point to this thing taking off and not stopping from here. Yeah, we have eight episodes in this show, so I think the fact that we still have six more, I think, gives us a yeah. really good, really good vibe on how this is going to go. I just want to also point out, I really like the way that the holograms appear in Elsbeth's ship, how they have like this green dust floating around. Them. Yes. I don't know yes. what that was. I love it. <laughs> well, it was it was the it was I think it was supposed Her, to be representative like, night of sister. the night sister. Yeah. Magic. Yeah. And actually, in that scene as well, uh, we also kind of get an indication that uh, that that um, Balin is not exactly, you know, n- not not full on Sith, not full on evil. He shows some trepidation in, like, you know, he says he doesn't want to kill Ahsoka. Yeah, he says that'd be a shame. Jedi left. Yeah, and it wasn't like sarcastic either. He was like serious to the point where even Morgan Elsbeth like makes a comment on it. So. I think they're they're definitely uh, setting these characters up to be gray, and I, I I don't use that term ironically to to get into the whole gray Jedi stuff because I don't think that's yeah, ever going yeah. to be. All right, any uh, any other thoughts on this or like where we're headed from here, Chris? Are you bought in here fully? I mean, I'm enjoying it. It's exciting. It's fun. That's all I ask for for my entertainment is to entertain me. I say that a lot. Um, it's one of my favorite things to say, actually, but I very much am enjoying it. I want to see more. I want to see what I learn organically through the show. It's one of my like things I'm paying attention to is like, all right, what do I learn in the show and how does it affect my viewing of Star Wars in general? So I'm excited, bought in, I'm ready for the next episode. That's and Chris sure. will be on next week uh, while Ron is on vacation as as well. So uh, we'll definitely get an update on, uh, you know, how Chris is feeling uh, on uh, the third episode and what he's learned in that episode. And hopefully, hopefully it's a lot. I'm hoping the third episode's really, really cool. I'm trying to think about how fast this is going to, how fast this is going to go or, you know, I've I've heard apparently some sources say the first five episodes are like really great, and the last three are like breakneck speed. But I think we might be at breakneck speed starting next week, if I had to guess. Uh, you know, I'm for it. I that's entertaining to watch. Yeah, we got the setup. I'm in Star Wars school, baby. <laughs> I'm in Star Wars school. I, I'm digging it. We I, got you know, everything. I'm the Padawan. Yeah. <laughs> we got everything we needed to know. In these first two episodes, we got the point of the show. We we got excellent sort of insights into all these characters and what they've been up to in the last decade. Um, and, and now it really it just feels like that's all that's left is like, all right, let's go now. You know? Yeah. 
Uh, any other thoughts, Ron, on where we could be heading or anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to highlight on the episodes? Um, I think the only thing, because I, I definitely wanted to touch on the world between worlds a little bit, and I'm glad we did. Yeah. Uh, but in that, in I think there's so much potential, uh, and I know this is something, oh, cameos, blah, like that's all everything is these days. But I think that there is the chance for very meaningful not just thrown in cameos in this show. We've already had one Anakin reference. Um, Darth Maul has been so integral to Ahsoka and Ezra's story. It would be, in my opinion, silly to not have some kind of reference to him in there or a flashback scene or something. There's even, there's imagery you know, uh, we've talked about Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor uh, a few times in this show. We might see Cal Kestis show up in this thing. Like, there, there's been some some imagery that they've been slowly starting to sprinkle into these Star Wars projects that we first got introduced to in those games. Uh, we could see Luke again. We could see Kanan. There is so many, like, possibilities of things that they can add into this show that would not only be fan service to us, you know, diehard fans, but would really add something to the story. And I think that's what I'm most excited about. Yeah. It might help with casuals too, like explaining. Yeah. Oh, Luke's here. Yeah. 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 Kind of like what, what that did for the Mm -hmm. uh, last episode of Mando season two. Now people still go back and talk at, you know, talk about that. But yeah, I'm yeah, it pulls me into anytime I know something. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. that. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be awesome, man. I, I mean, it, it's a Rebels fan's dream. It has been so far. We're getting Night Sisters. We're getting Thrawn. We're I, it just anybody who has something bad to say about, or uh, maybe not something bad, because I, I'm sure that there is, you know, this is a subjective thing. But anybody who's just crapping all over this show and saying it was bad and it was horrible, like, just stop watching, man. Because it's clearly not for you. If this wasn't for you, then I, I, I just Star Wars ain't for you. That's my opinion. This is fun. If you don't like fun, I don't care. That's a, kind of another thing I'm saying a lot lately. It's like, hey, if you don't like fun. Well, I saw something somebody said that was like, like I keep seeing people say it's fun, but I can't see if people say it's good. I'm like, look, when I think something's fun, it's good. Like, I like having fun. <laughs> I don't know why that's such a hard I, thing I, to understand. I don't know how fun became it. I had so much fun at, I, like, the, at, I feel at like, Six Flags today. But it sucked. It good? <laughs> yeah. I think Thor Love and Thunder, I think Thor Love and Thunder is where the fun thing started. It's like, oh, you'll have fun. It was. It, it definitely it was. Won't. And I, to play devil's advocate, I, I do, in a way, kind of understand that because there's plenty of fun movies that aren't good. But this Star Wars is different. Like Star Wars, it, it, it's you don't get the the benefit of the doubt of oh, it was fun. It was either good or it wasn't. And if you're saying it's fun, it, it was good, right? Um, all Star Wars is good. Star Wars to me, anyway. Amen. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm very excited to see how how we all enjoy this as we continue going. So I want to thank you for both taking your time and jumping on here with me, so I didn't have to do this alone. Um, I kind of thought yeah, I was just glad I didn't fall asleep during the episode. <laughs> I know, Chris. I, I know you're probably struggling with how late it is for you. Oh, well, so the thing is, like, I'm off tomorrow, but like, I'm gonna help my mom babysit a two year old, so um, I'm like, 
that's that's gonna be tiring. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be fun. But like, I'm just like I I've been up yeah. since three in the morning. It's just like the last night I started watching the first episode, and I said, "Nope, I want right, to right. enjoy this." And I I did. And it was killed me because it's like this sucks so good. <laughs> so I guess I don't know. Do you? And you guys were messaging. I was like, I was like, I want to. I don't want to be the party trooper. But I do you guys that. have uh, anything you want to plug or where people can find you? Uh, no. I mean, my uh, my, my Twitter at is right there. You see it next to my name. Uh, give me a follow for uh all kinds of nerdy takes that I'm sure you'll disagree with and tell me I'm a dumbass <laughs> for. But hey, that's the fun, and that's why we do this. So uh, yeah, drop me a follow. I'd love to love to hang out with you guys. You know, I uh, I'm a football man. Fifty eight on the app formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> I you know all my Ravens content you can find there for Russell Street Report. Um, at Multiversal Omni is Chris Talks Comics. I've been doing a little more of that. Um, yeah, you know, and yeah, Elseworlds, a DC fan podcast. You know, you always hear me there. <laughs> yeah, for our listeners, that's not what I referred to earlier. Elseworlds, our DC fan podcast. We just got done talking Blue Beetle last week. This upcoming week, we're talking Arrowverse through season seven of The Flash, which I will be dropping my little discussion. It's my first time watching the Arrowverse, so we'll talk about that there. Over on uh, my Marvel pod, I've been, I covered Secret Invasion. Right now, we're kind of taking a break before Loki comes out. Um, season two of that is dropping right after Ahsoka's done that Friday. Uh, so I'll, I'll go right well, in from Ahsoka stretch. right into Loki coverage. Uh, that's a good stretch right there. Loki season one was the, maybe the best Disney I Plus loved thing it. we've got. Yeah, I think it definitely was. And I'm excited that they're finally putting these on Blu-ray. I am going to be purchasing all of these on, on 4K Blu-ray. Well, why wouldn't they? I mean, I know it encourages people to get it if you don't on Disney Plus, but at this point, if you don't have Disney Plus, you're not going right, to Disney right. Plus. Uh, and let us own things. I mean, come on. What yeah. happens if everything goes under? Give, I want to be give able to watch rights. if my internet's yeah. out. You know, like I'd like to be able to watch. If it all goes asunder, I can pull out this thunder. <laughs> That's where you can find all of us at. Uh, I'll put that stuff in the show notes too or whatever. But thank you all for watching and listening along with us. And we'll catch you next week for Ahsoka Part 3.